uh, issue with uh, grace. Uh, like very briefly, we talked about last time that uh, uh, one of the problems within Christianity is that when somebody gets a revelation of something, very often they have a tendency to make part of the truth the whole truth. So when somebody maybe gets a revelation on the love of God, then suddenly everything becomes about the love of God. And then you have maybe other people who have gotten a revelation uh, regarding maybe repentance and judgment, and everything is about repentance and judgment. And then you have others who maybe have gotten a revelation on maybe healing or the gifts of the Spirit or different issues. And then suddenly, the, the danger that often happens is that we make a part of the truth the whole truth. And that, I think, also happens when it comes to grace. Uh, we have many people, they have gotten a fantastic revelation of the amazing grace of God. And in the excitement, they fall into the ditch of making part of the truth the whole truth. Because God is gracious, absolutely. We looked upon that in last session. Uh, God is, has always been a grace God. Always. He has been good. He has been merciful all through the whole Bible. But that doesn't mean that he is not a righteous judge. The fact that he is grace doesn't mean that he is, that he will, uh, his grace will not cloud his judgment when it comes to bringing a right and true uh, and just judgment uh, on people for the things that they do. We also talked about uh, God's general grace and God's saving grace and how some people, people mix them up because in the Bible we talked in looked in Matthew how there is a general grace that God bestows on all people. If it hadn't been for the grace of God, we, everybody would be dead. If, if the devil had, could do whatever he wanted, the world would be in chaos. But because of the grace of God, we can enjoy the, the level of security we have, even though we feel things are getting out of hand and uh, in the world there is a lot of bad things happen, happening, still there is a general grace of God that is holding back. The devil, he cannot do exactly as he wants. So there is a general grace of God that is bestowed upon all people, no matter whether they are good or bad. But then there is a saving grace that is available to all people, but only those who accept by faith will enjoy that uh, faith. And yeah, we will not go through everything we talked about, but it's just important that we don't take, take scriptures that talk about the general grace of God and we apply them to the saving grace of God. Because then we end up in a place where you can just sin, you can be good, you can be evil, but God is gracious, so it doesn't matter because His grace is for everyone. Yes, there is a general grace that goes, God bestows upon everyone, but at the same time, as Psalm 103.11 said, that as high as the heavens, as heavens are high above the earth, so is His grace towards those who fear Him. So there is a grace that is bestowed not upon everyone, but upon those who fear him. And we need to be able to distinguish here. And just to sum it up a little bit, we ended uh, talking about 
not understanding grace as an excuse for sinners to just continue to live in sin. That's not, that, that is not the biblical grace. Um, and we can maybe start off by reading from Titus 2, 11 to 12, where it says, for the grace of God that brings salvation. So here you see there is a, there, there is a certain grace that brings salvation. What does he say about that grace? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So it's available for everyone. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So the grace of God that brings salvation is not a grace that says, Live however you want, God will forgive you because he is grace. No, we need to understand that that grace, the saving grace, is a grace that, yes, he, it forgives us our sins, that's a part of it, but it also teaches us something. It teaches us to live, uh, on, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. But very often, because people are taking scriptures about the general grace of God and applying it to the saving grace, we end up with an understanding that I could just continue to live in sin and everything will be okay. That's not what the Bible says. And because, sadly, in general, many Christians maybe I should say most Christians, they don't really know the Bible. And because they don't know the Bible, it's very easy to get led astray. That's why I believe it's so important for every single believer to take studying the Bible seriously. Because in the age that we are living in, where we are being bombarded with different teaching from all sides, if we don't know the Word of God, we will very easily be led astray. For instance, you have probably heard, if you have been in church for some time, you have heard the saying that, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. And everyone goes, oh, thank you, God. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. How good that is to know that even if I am faithless sometimes, it doesn't matter because he remains faithful. But have you, have you read the whole verse? Because that's just a little part of a verse. But many people read that and think, oh, that's the whole truth. It's a part of the truth. But there is more to that verse. Let us read the whole verse. So you can see, I would encourage you to read the whole Bible, read a, at least read the whole letter. But uh, let us read the whole verse. We can read, it's in 2 Timothy. And for the sake of context, let's read from 11 to 13. So, so you get the context of what Paul is saying. He is saying, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we should also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. So you see there is like, if, if we die with him, then the privilege is that we will live with him. If we 
endure, then the privilege is that we will reign with him. And now listen, if we deny him, he will also deny us. And we go like, what? Can God deny us? Yes, that's, in the, in the, that's the apostle of grace, Paul, saying that if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, try to get the context, not just take one part of a verse out. Read the context where Paul is saying, if we, if we live with him, if we die with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. For he is faith. if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And then he adds, for he cannot deny himself. Yes, if we are faithless, God remains faithful. Faithful to what? Faithful to his word. God, God can never go back on his word. When Paul says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. It's not an invitation to just live a lazy Christian life, hoping that God will still remain faithful to you. Yes, he will, be, he will deal with you faithfully according to your word. So that God cannot deny himself means that if he had said, said that the wages of sin is death, then the wages of sin is death. That's Romans 3.23. So if I choose to live in sin, then God has to be faithful to his word. And then that will be the outcome of my life. If I remain faithless, he will stay faithful to his word. And then, he, then the wages of sin will be death. Whether I, how to say, try to, to hold on to the grace of God or not, God will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. But very, very often we take this little phrase, if we remain faithless, he remains faithful, and we make a whole teaching on how it's okay for us to fail and how it's okay for us if we live in sin and if we, it's okay because if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And when you read the verse, that's not what it says. That's totally not what it says. But because people don't know the Bible, they hear a preacher quoting this and they think, oh, this is biblical. I mean, he's quoting from the Bible. Yes, he quotes a little bit of a verse and then he makes a little bit of the truth, suddenly the whole truth, and suddenly you end up with a lie. Because yes, God will remain faithful, but he is not obligated to be faithful to you, no matter if you live in sin or if you live holy. No, he will remain faithful to his word. So if you remain in him, he will remain in you. If you draw close to him, he will draw close to you. If you choose to live in sin, he will deal with you accordingly because he will remain faithful to his word. That's the grace of God that the New Testament talks about. It's not a pillow for the sinner. It's not something that those Christians who want to continue in their sin can hold on to, hoping that they will still be saved because God is gracious. No, no, that's not the grace. That's not the saving grace. In fact, 
according to Paul, the grace test, the test where you can see if somebody have really gotten a hold of the grace of God, the way that you can see that in a person's life is if they are free from sin. Did you know that, that Paul says that? Romans 6.14, he says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For you are not under law, but under grace. So if I am under grace, what is the result? The result is that sin have no longer dominion over me. That's how I can see if somebody have really grasped the grace of God. Now, I should maybe add here, does that mean that if you have understood the grace of God, you will never sin? No, that's not what the Bible says. As long as we live in this body, we have a flesh, there are things. And part of the grace of God is that when I fail, when I do sin, I can come to God and I say, God, forgive me, I have sinned, uh, I need your mercy, I, I need your forgiveness, and God will give it. But if I think that I can just continue in sin and live as I want, thinking that God still will forgive me, now, then I need to really read what the Bible says. Because that's not the grace. If I, if I really am under grace, then sin no longer has dominion over me. What is the dominion that sin has over people? It is the dominion to hold them captive, to, to enslave them to their own desires. When we become saved, it doesn't mean that we no longer have uh, sinful desires. But now those desires will not have dominion over me. Why? Because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. It doesn't mean that Christians never get tempted. If you read Hebrews, you see that even Jesus, he got tempted, but he didn't sin. So when we get born again, when we get saved, when we get under the grace of God, we will still be tempted, and maybe sometimes even we fall, but sin no longer has dominion over us, meaning I no longer continue to live in sin. Why? Because I'm under grace. There are two sides of grace, and I think that's important to, to point out when we are talking about this. There, of course, there is a part of grace that is that when I have sinned, I can come to God and ask for forgiveness. And as John 1, 7-9 says, that if we confess our sin, He is righteous and true, and He will forgive us our sins. That's part of the grace. But another part of the grace is that God gives me his Holy Spirit. He puts something inside of me that makes me able to conquer sin. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 3 to 4. For what the law could not do, what was it that the law could not do? The law could tell me what to do, but the law couldn't make me do it. It could just tell me, this and this and this and this is, is what you're supposed to do, but it had no power to help me. So Paul says, what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So what the law could not do, why? Because of my flesh, because of my sinful nature, nature, the law could tell me what to do, but there was something inside of me that ah, pulled me towards evil. So even though I wanted to do good, Paul goes into detail in this in Romans 7, even though I wanted to do good, I found myself again and again doing what I didn't want to do because of the desires that I found in my flesh. So the law could tell me what to do, it just couldn't help me to do it. But what the law couldn't, God did. Because what God did, he didn't just come and give us the law list of commandments, what he did, he put the law in our hearts. And instead of changing us from the outside in, he started on the inside, giving us a new spirit, a new heart. And the more we allow that heart to dominate in our life and our thinking, the more we will experience the freedom that he has given us. We need to see that I am no longer under the law. As long as I think I am under the law, as long as I think I am under the dominion of sin, I will always be under the dominion of sin. But when I change my thinking and, and start to see that I've been born again, I'm a new creation, I'm no longer under the dominion of sin, when, when I start to think of myself as someone who is no longer under the dominion of sin, someone who can conquer, then I can live in victory. We will not go into that now. But I just want you to see that what the law could not do, so the, the grace of God is not uh, that, how to say, we can just continue to live in sin. No, there is a part of grace that is God putting his spirit inside of us, enabling us, teaching us, giving us the ability to live according to the commandments. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. In us who? Us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there is a part of grace that is forgiveness of sin, yes, but there is another part of God, which is God giving us the ability to live free from sin. And we need to have both of those uh, sides of grace. Now, at the very end, I just want to, to spend a few minutes on this issue where people say that we are, because many people today, they will say, well, we are saved by grace. And that is true. We are saved by grace. Paul says that in Ephesians 2, 8, uh, which is the verse that people often refer to when they say that we are saved by grace. But you know, because people have gotten this mixed understanding of grace, they think that means that we, are, we can do almost whatever we do, want to and still be saved. That's not what the Bible says. In fact, if you read Ephesians 2.8, you will see that it's not grace 
that saves us. What saves us is faith. But I don't deserve to be saved by faith. So it is by grace. To, to put it in this way, if I have a medicine bottle here, if I give you, maybe you don't, maybe you have been bad to me, you have been evil to me, you have slandered me, you have been treating me bad, and suddenly you are sick and you are dying, and I have the medicine bottle that can make you well. If I give that medicine to you, you don't deserve it because you have been nothing but bad to me. So you can say in some kind of way, you are saved by my grace of giving you this medicine. But it's not the grace that I'm showing you that is saving you. What is saving you is the medicine inside the bottle. That's what's saving you. But since you don't deserve me giving it to you, at the same time, it is partly because of my graciousness towards you that you are saved. So in that kind of way, we are saved, as Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Did you notice what he said? By grace, true faith. What saves me is faith. But I don't deserve to be saved either by faith or by any means. I don't deserve to be saved at all. So the fact that I now have the opportunity to be saved by faith, that is something that I am being given by grace. Do you catch the difference? It becomes even more clear when we read Romans 5, 1 to 2. There Paul is saying, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Did you notice that? He says, through Christ we have access by faith into grace. So what gives me access to the grace of God is not grace itself. What gives me access into the grace of God is faith. That's the medicine that saves me. If people got saved only because of the grace of God, then everybody would be saved because God is gracious. Then uh, Satanists, uh, Buddhists, the Muslims, everybody would be saved because God is gracious. But that's not what the Bible teaches. Salvation is available for everyone, but it's available for those who access it by faith. And that's an important distinction for us to understand. The Bible is full of this. John 1, 12, many of you know, as many as received him, he, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, those who believe in his name. John 3, 16, I think we know, for so God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Verse 18, he who believes 
in him is not condemned because he uh, but he who is not believed is already condemned John uh, eleven twenty seven. Jesus says I am the, the resurrection and the life he who believes in me shall never die Galatians 2 16 knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Christ Jesus even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith do you, this is just a few if you take a Bible dictionary and go through you will have a long long list what I want you to show to show you is that the grace of God is available for everyone but the grace of God is not something the saving grace of God is not something that is bestowed upon all people automatically just because God is gracious no the saving grace that the Bible talks about me being born again getting the Spirit of God living inside of me this what makes me a new creation that saving grace is something that is available to everyone but if I want to receive that I need to access it by faith in Jesus Christ and then I can receive it the Christian walk is not a, is not in in that sense a walk of grace it's a walk of faith that's why Paul says in 2nd Corinthians 5 7 that we walk by faith not by sight and Romans 1.17, as we have already uh, read, the just shall live, not by grace, but the just shall live by faith. The Christian walk is a faith walk. And by this faith in Jesus Christ, when I choose to put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, then God grants me access into his saving grace where my sins are forgiven where I'm being justified where I'm holy when I'm righteous when all my iniquity all the wrong things I've done they will be nailed to the cross and I can come before God holy and righteous knowing that he will receive me because of the grace of God but it's the grace that it's available for all those who choose to believe in Jesus Christ. It's an, maybe a small distinction, but I think in these times where there are a lot of teaching who, who confuses this issue of grace, I think it's a very important distinction to make, that we live by faith, and by faith we gain access to the grace of God. Amen. There's a lot more we could say, but I think we would stop there. Um, yeah, so grace is good. We believe in grace, but we also need to take everything that the Bible says about it and not just kind of pick and choose verses, but we need to take the sum of the Word of God and make it our own. Amen. Amen.